morning. How are y'all? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you got some good stuff today. Uh, I had uh, I had been working on a message on joy, um, which is great, especially if you know me, because when you just like meet me, you're not like, this is one of the most joyful dudes I've ever met. <laughs> Like, somebody needs to tell him to contain it, you know. I really am joyful. It's just, I'm, I grew up Baptist, so I'm joyful in my heart. And I think my dad's watching this morning, so that one was for you, Dad. So. Um, anyways, no, but, but I, it was a good word. But earlier this week, the Lord just kind of uh, popped this old song into my head, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which actually, I mean, it's 100 years old, um, or like 102 years old, I think. But it used to be called The Heavenly Vision. That's what the song used, was written as, The Heavenly Vision. And then just in, I don't know, the last uh, several decades, maybe even 50 years, uh, they uh, turned the start, people started calling it "Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus," which is the first line of the chorus. So, um, anyways, I I love that song. Again, Baptist, right? You you got to know hymns to be saved. No, I'm just kidding. And um, and but I but I, I just I love hymns. Hymns touch me. Kyle, Glenn, Rachel know that you know if there's a hymn in the prayer room, Nate's crying. It's it's just I cried this morning. I mean, it's just I'll probably cry again. That's why I brought tissues up. And uh, I have no idea why, but it, the, the hymns are rich, and um, anyway, so I'm going to do something today I've never done before, and I was, I was doing my notes, and I was like, Lord, is this even legal, you know, like in the kingdom, and, but I want to actually teach the, the, the chorus of this song, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. There it is. Thank you, Sloan. Um, this isn't a verse, right? This isn't a quote from Scripture, but it's derived from several verses in the Scripture and principles and truths. And I'm actually going to break the chorus of this verse up into four parts and teach through them um, using biblical uh, principles and concepts. Cool, Nate. We're excited. We've never heard that before. And I, we'll see how it goes. I've, again, I've never done this. You can't really call it, um, well, anyways, we'll, we'll get, anyway, we'll figure out a name for it. But uh, let's pray and uh, just invite the Holy Spirit into this time. Uh, we do, Lord, thank you for this morning. Lord, just thank you for a time where we can worship you. Just every, every song just flows so um, congruent with what you're doing, God. Just, yes, we're free. Yes, you're greater than all things. And Lord, we, we, we bless what it is you are doing in the earth because we know that your ways are perfect. We know that your ways are higher. Lord, we probably would have chose to do it different, which is why we're not in charge. We would have done it wrong because your ways are perfect. So thank you. Even when we don't understand, we thank you. I just, uh, even in agreement with a word that was given this morning, I just break off confusion right now in the name of Jesus. I break off cloudy vision, stuffed up ears, physically and spiritually. Lord, we ask for perfect peace, for open ears, 
minds that are willing to be changed, hearts that are open, ready and receptive. In Jesus' name, amen. Is anybody feeling confused? Just overwhelmed by what's going on? You can just be honest, raise your hand. If you're just kind of overwhelmed by what's going on out there. Yeah. Now, for the rest of you that were lying, is anyone else feeling confused? Yeah. Now, just break off the spirit of deceit. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Me too. But, but that's, that's actually why we have, one of the reasons why we have Jesus, one of the reasons why we have his words, because he's not confusing. Okay, he, he's not a God of confusion. And, and he's given us his word as a, as a guide, as a clear and perfect and complete revelation of himself to help center us and to help turn our eyes upon him and look full in his wonderful face so that the things of earth that confuse us can grow strangely dim in his light. And so that's, that's one of the reasons we're going to get into this today. Isaiah 45, 22, it says, turn to me and be saved, right? Prophet Isaiah is writing this, said, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Okay, so primarily, right, we relate this to salvation, to saving faith. Turn to me and be saved from your sin. Have your soul saved from your sin. But I would say that it also applies to the, the idea of being continually saved or sanctified, Right, the working out of our salvation, or the working until into becoming more and more like Christ, and so it's just I would say just as applicable to every single person in this room, the call to be saved, even the, those of you who are saved, right? <laughs> Hopefully, it's all of you, uh, and to the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. Now, I'll tell you what, there is no other God, but there's a lot of others around, right? A lot of other voices, a lot of other things that will come and claim to save you, things that will claim to, uh, hey, this is the answer. Hey, this is, that's why there's so much confusion, because everyone has the answer. And I'll tell you what, there's only one, okay? And if it's not found in Jesus, it's the wrong answer. But, it, but there's, a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, offers. So that's what I'm calling others right now, okay? But none of them are God. And I'll tell you what. I believe, so I believe, I'm not going to talk about this, but I'm just going to preface, I'm, I'm teeing up Pastor Glenn for the next couple weeks, okay? I believe that now is the time to fight, that now is a time to get on the right side of the line that's drawn in the sand. I believe that right now is the time to be loud and to be heard. Uh, I believe that, that right now is a, a time unlike any time that any of us have ever lived in, um, and, and I firmly believe in that. I support your ammo buying. I support your food buying. I support it. I do. More than you know. I'm not going to talk about that today, but I'm telling you right now that, that if you put your faith, hope, and trust in your gun safe, it is misplaced. If I put my faith, hope, and trust in my gun safe, it's misplaced. If you put your faith, hope, and trust in your government, it is misplaced. If you put your faith, hope, and trust in HEB and their stocked shelves, it is misplaced. This is, not, this, is, this is not light information. Okay? So when, when, when God, when the creator of the universe, the, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, says, turn to me because I'm God and there's no other, he means it. There's no other. There is no other place that we can turn when we will find what is to be found in the Creator. 
what is to be found in his son, Jesus Christ. You can look. I've looked. We look all the time. Every day it's a fight for me. I don't know about you, but like Pastor Glenn says, he signs up 40, 50, 60 times a day, says yes again. 40, 50, 60 times a day, I'm, you know, and I've done this. I've gone through seasons where I will sing this song, Turn Your Eyes on Jesus, all day. It'll just be stuck in my head. Because if I don't, there's a lot of other places. My, my eyes don't default to Jesus. Your flesh doesn't default to Jesus. So you have to fight for your eyes to be turned on. Just, Lord, what are you doing? What are you saying right now? I know you said 30 seconds ago, but what are you saying now? I need a fresh word. <laughs> right? Right? All right. Now, Glenn, you get to do all the fun stuff next week and the week after. I'll just say amen to it right now. I want you to look at the live real quick before we get into these, breaking down this, uh, this chorus. But just real quick, just this example from Scripture of the calling of the disciples. Okay, it's listed in several places in the Gospels, but, but I like to, when I, when I read, people have told me, how do you, you know, how do you, you communicate these ideas, you kind of unpack them in fresh ways. I don't know. I think it's a gift because that's just how I read it. You know, when I read something, I, I can't read it, it can't stay theory to me. It need, I need to make it realistic. And so when I see the calling of the disciples take place, I see it would take Andrew and, and, and Simon Peter. They're fishing, right? It's their, it's their livelihood, right? So it's their trade. It's all they've ever done, really. And it's, and it's what they spend all of their time doing. It's that, their family, and Shabbat. It's pretty much, pretty much their life. And they are, we got to put it in the context, they're Jews that are waiting for the Messiah, and they believe they're waiting for the Messiah to simply come deliver them from Rome, or from the Romans, or from oppression, religious persecution even, from the Jewish leaders, right? And they're, and they're waiting for this, they're waiting. So it's always in the back of their mind, it's always in the back of their mind that there's racism going on, that there's persecution going on, both from the Romans and from their own Jewish leaders, right, who are oppressing them with a religious spirit, right? Basically, here's a whole list of things that you could never get right. But if you don't get it right, look out, right? So that's what they're getting. They're getting a pressure of, you know, they, they work a blue-collar job, and that if you don't, if the fish aren't biting, you're not eating, right? That, they, that's, that's pressure, I know some fishermen that are trade fishermen, and those guys have faith, 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 because if they don't bite, you don't eat. You can't sell anything if you don't catch anything. So they have this, so just imagine the disciples are in this, right? They have families, right, they have, that they need to provide for. Their families have relatives. I mean, there's, there's pressures. It's life. This is real stuff. It's really happened. And one day they pull their boat in, and this teacher walks up, and goes, hey, uh, how'd the catch go? And they're like, yeah, we didn't catch anything. And he's like, throw it uh, on that side. Can you, do you know, this is the look on their face. <sighs> like, you imagine the thought? This, I've been fishing since I could walk. He doesn't know what he's, who's this guy? I've been out here for 10 hours. He, he knows, he's going to tell me to put the, 
net over here, and then we'll catch something. We didn't catch it over there. We didn't catch it over here. And they're like, okay. And they put it in there, and they can't even pull it all in. Almost sinks the boat, right? So it's a miracle. But they see in that moment the glimpse of the Messiah. They turn their eyes on him, and what happened? Everything else in the world grew really, really dim. And then Jesus went, follow me. And they went, okay. And they did to the death. That's all it took was one look. And they, they left livelihood, their trade, their routine, everything they knew. Now listen, they did that and none of the other stuff had changed. The circumstances hadn't changed. They were still under Roman and religious oppression, right? There was still racism going on, right? There was still pressures. That their family still needed to eat. But they turned their eyes on Jesus. They saw how beautiful and wonderful he was. They experienced him and never looked away. I mean, long-term never looked away. They had their moments, which you will and I will. But hopefully, and quite possibly, those moments are further and further and further between and less and less and less frequent because that's possible, okay? So I just, just get that idea real quick that these, the disciples weren't so, like, they were normal dudes, okay? They were not, they were not hyper-anointed spiritual people when they were called. They were fishermen and tax collectors and, and just normal, normal people, but they saw Jesus, and that's, I'm telling you that when you turn your eyes to him, the noise quiets down. So I'm going to pack a few principles real quick in the time we have left. The first one, turn your eyes upon Jesus. It'll give you strength. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hear this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer of Hebrews Barnabas says that <laughs> could be Ananias, Kyle, it says that when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it actually keeps us from growing weary and losing heart. It'll give you strength. That actually is a little one stole from my other message, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? But, but act, the, the act, and I'm going to tell you just real quick, you know, just kind of how we do that, but, but the act of turning your eyes on Jesus and away from other things will strengthen you. So if you feel tired, worn out, weary, weak, confused, the simple act actually says if we fix our eyes on Jesus, it keeps us from growing weary. I love that. So turn your eyes on Jesus is an action step, okay? Not Jesus, turn my eyes on you, right? You can say, Jesus, help me to turn my eyes to you, but it's really, it's the same, it's the same language that we see in Scripture about humility, it's humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, right? It's, it's, not, it's not plead to God that he will make you humble. It's humble yourself. And, and same thing I'm, I'm trying to draw out here, that it's something that we need to do. Our eyes will always be fixed or turned towards something. 
Okay, whether you're talking about your physical eyes, your spiritual eyes, you're always looking at something. More often than not, especially in our culture today, you're looking at a lot of things all the time, every day. We're inundated with information, right? You guys are like, what are you talking about, Nate? No, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's everywhere, you hear it, you see it, you feel it, you're a part of it, you experience it, and sometimes you just wanna go, ah! That was for you guys that were sleeping. Your eyes will always be fixed on something. But turning your eyes on Jesus, do you know what it does with all this noise? That's what this means in sign language, noise. You know what it does? It just brings it all down here to where you're not looking at. It doesn't, it doesn't, this doesn't change. This doesn't change. What changes is all in here and how we see it. And my point that I'm going to be making today is when in here is changed, when in here is lined up, when we're turning our eyes on Jesus and when we're lined up with the will of the Father, when we, we have our hearts connected to him, we are actually able to be ambassadors of change in the world and make this actually change. Does that make sense? If we want to approach horizontal change, if we want to approach cultural, political, governmental change, first we have to start here and make sure that we're lined up. If you start here, you'll get lost and burned out. Because when we walk outside of the Holy Spirit's uh, grace and power, we get burned out. I promise you the Holy Spirit does not cause burnout. It's not in his nature, nor is it the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, kindness, gentleness, burnout. No, it's not in there. We have to turn our eyes to him so that we're set up to go out and make change. Number two, look full in his wonderful face. He is worth the time. Psalm 27, verse four. It says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. You realize that King David had a lot of things going on in his life. Did you know that? He would... He was a man after God's own heart, but Zeb said to me this week, he goes, Dad, remember the story when, uh, when David uh, tried to kill, and then he said a really funny name, not Bathsheba, but he was trying to recall Bathsheba, but he said something else. It was like Bethsaida or something. Uh, um, tried to kill her husband, and I said, yeah. He goes, that was messed up. <laughs> Yes, Seb, it was. But David had a lot of stuff going on. He's a, he's, a, he's a leader, right? He's pioneering things, right? He's doing a, and then and, and in the midst of all that, in the midst of all he's been through, he sits and he goes, all I want is one thing, to look at Jesus' face and to sit in his house. That's all I want to do. And like, gosh, well, you, you have like money and fame and you influence. And, all, and then he's like, yeah. I would give it all up. I just want to sit in God's house and look at his face. That says something about his face. He's beautiful. There's lots of other scriptures about his beauty. See Revelation. But he's, he's beautiful. He's worthy. And I, and I guarantee you that uh, we, we need to spend more time staring at his face. Just look. Sometimes when I get overwhelmed with the noise, I go into my closet at the house, and I turn. I was there yesterday. Kaylee's like looking for me while you guys were at the house. Yeah, I go in my closet because it's really dark and it's the quietest room in the house, and I just lay on the ground with my eyes open 
and just wait on the Lord. It's awesome. And everything else is quiet. All the other stuff goes away. It's great. Number three, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. You'll find true shalom peace in the midst of chaos because that's what, sh- that's what peace actually is. Peace is not the absence of chaos and the absence of strife. It's, it's peace in the midst of all of those things. Because if you don't have chaos and strife, there's no opportunity for peace. It's just like patience. If you don't have an opportunity to be impatient, if you're not in a situation where you have an opportunity to react with impatience, then you don't have opportunity to react with patience. So you, you, have to, you have to be in strife. You have to, I mean, not in, but among strife and among chaos to be able to experience true shalom peace, okay? Um, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, love is passage. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the yokes that we pick up on social media and the yokes that you go pick up when you watch Fox News and the yokes that you pick up that aren't yours to carry at work and aren't yours to carry at rallies and aren't yours to carry when you're mad at your neighbor, right? Those are yokes that he didn't give. And they're heavy and they're tight and they weigh you down. Your neighbor's not inherently evil, don't hear me. I'm just saying, when we go out and grab yokes that aren't ours to carry, he said, he said, no, 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 come to me, take my yoke upon you, and then you'll get rest. It's a, it's a kingdom principle. You guys know what a yoke is, right? It's, a, it's, the, it's the rig that they hook on the ox to pull the plow and stuff, right? It's, it's big. You have to tie it tight or it's going to break things, including it could hurt the ox and do all these things. But So how in the world does putting on a yoke give you rest? Because a yoke is an object of work. That's kingdom principle. It's the same way that blood makes you clean and death gives you life and being first makes you last and give to receive, and that's kingdom. His yoke gives you rest. I love that. So that's the way. If you want the things of this earth to go strangely dim and to step into true rest, take his yoke upon you. You'll find true shalom in the midst of peace. There's a lot going on that's going to want to grab your attention. I think that we will all be surprised how quickly and unimportant things become when we turn our eyes on him. All right, lastly, in the light of his glory and grace, he is the only way. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. A couple other verses here I want to read. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 says, For God, you said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light, of no, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That was probably one of the verses that was uh, inspiring for this chorus. Revelation 4, 11, it says, You're worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will, They were created and have their being. I love it. There's great opportunity to walk in darkness, hold on to anxiety, stress, uh, worry. Great opportunity to get lost in lies and confusion and the story of the day, minute, hour. Uh, There's great opportunity to turn your eyes and your focus and attention on the world and what's going on. 
Great opportunity to turn your eyes on the work of the devil. That's fear. As Pastor Glenn talked about last week, one of the, one of the uh, ways that we describe demonic fear is actually faith in what the devil's doing or saying rather than faith in what God is doing or saying. Um, and, uh, and so we can turn our eyes upon that. And I promise you that when you turn your eyes on Jesus, hear me, I promise you, when you turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, that the things of earth will go, grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Once we have our eyes, our attention, and our affection turned to Jesus, and we're ready to respond to the world that desperately needs truth. Once we turn our eyes on Jesus and are focusing and fixing our eyes on him, we're ready to respond to a world that needs a move of his dunamis, miracle-working power, that needs his love. You're the hands and feet of Jesus, vessels of love in the earth. You're ready to truly love when your eyes are fixed on him. Desperately needs the gospel. The world desperately needs an encounter with Jesus. Once our eyes are fixed on him, we're ready to stand up and fight. We're ready to stand up and truly take on socialism. Oh, yeah, we're going there. (laughs) But you can't do it in the flesh. And I spend a lot of time hating socialism in the flesh. And do you know how much it's accomplished politically? Do you know how much it's accomplished in growing me closer to the Lord? Do you know how much it's accomplished in making my relationship and marriage better with my wife? Making me a better father? You get the point. You get the point, Nate? Yes, Nate, I get the point. Sometimes I really get angry with the Lord when he has you preach to yourself. but also get really touched that he cares that much, that we hear the truth. And we just have to humble ourselves and receive it. And that's good. Once our eyes are fixed on him, we're ready to draw lines in the sand, lines that need to be drawn. We're ready to act with courage and valor. Happy Independence Day. We get to celebrate Independence Day because of many, many, many acts of courage and valor by men and women who had their eyes fixed on Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, you have a relationship with him as your personal savior. If he's God and Lord over every area of your life this morning, hear me, listen. You have everything you need to to be able to do everything we just talked about. You don't need anything else. If If you never heard another sermon the rest of your life, Not that today was the end-all sermon. I'm just saying, that's not where you get what you need. You get what you need from him. And if you have him, you have everything you need. I've mixed emotions. 
But as we know, if your emotions lied to you, or if you had a friend that lied to you as much as your emotions did, you'd never be a friend with that person. So uh, I try not to, I try not to, you know, react with emo- emotions are good, but I try not to react with them. I have a lot of mixed emotions, but I'm just, I just say this, I don't say this lightly. I am very excited about where we're going in the kingdom, okay? Because it's revival, it's gonna, there's gonna be miracles, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people get saved. I believe, I mean, we've been praying for years for over a billion. It's a lot. It's like the seventh of the earth or something like that. It's a fitting number. But I, I'm also just like done and frustrated, angry. You know, I'm, I look around and I just get all, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's okay. We can be honest. It's family. If you're joining us online, welcome to the family. <laughs> These are real feelings that we feel, just reactions. Listen, we have a choice. Several, but one I'm going to talk about right here. We can accept what's going on, and accept, excuse me, but the crap that the devil is unleashing in the world right now. And we can go, well, I guess this is the new normal. Well, I guess we, if we just, we're just going to wear masks and we're just going to, we're just going to, you know, go, oh, Lord, come back soon. And he is, he's going to come back. And that's really ultimately what, I mean, he's going to come back and make all the wrong things right. And every person that's up in arm trying to tear the country apart is going to have to answer to him, not me. I consider myself a patriot. Norm's a patriot. Gary's a patriot. Jeannie's a patriot. You guys are patriots? I know. But they don't answer to you. They answer to God. And that's much more scary. We can either fold and ride it out, or we can get on our knees and intercede and pray. And we can turn our eyes to Jesus, and we can do something about it. We, have, we can, when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back and, and, and present a bride to the, to the world, Right? Like, oh, I'm not just coming back by myself. I brought my family. And are we going to be timid and like, oh, yeah, we were here the whole time. Yeah, we helped and stuff. Or is it going to be like, yeah, that's right. We were part of the army. We were, God, we were the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. And we prayed and we cried and we, and we laid hands and we helped and we gave and we took in widows and orphans and we... And we we did the stuff because he loves us. So we have this, these, a lot of choices to make. And it's easier to isolate. And it's easier to fold. And it's easier to, to look for excuses to stop being the hands and feet of Jesus because there is absolutely no shortage of them now. But the harder choice is usually always the better choice. The road is narrow, but at the end of the road lies the destination that you actually want to be at. So I encourage, I'm encouraging myself, 
I'm strengthening myself in the Lord. <laughs> I'm encouraging myself, encourage each of you to make the hard choice. Because you're going to be faced with them daily. You're be faced with it daily. Even when you go out of here today, you're going to be faced with a, with a news feed on your phone, and you could start grumbling again about it. And I'm not saying don't be mad about it. Be mad about it. But turn that into something. Turn your eyes to Jesus and go, Jesus, what do I do about it? What are you? And then usually what happens is I go, Jesus, and it takes about 10 seconds, and I'm just like, turn your eyes. I'm serious. I come into the prayer room all the time, like with my yellow pad. You know, it's good to have yellow pad to hear from the Lord, but I come with my list, right? I'm like, okay, God, got some stuff. Let's start with number one. And before I can get through it, he's like, he's like, oh, Nate, I love you. And I'm like, I love you too. What were we talking about? Turn your eyes. Go ahead, Rachel. Rachel's going to lead us in, or the team is just going to lead us in this. Why don't you stand? Right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. So um, this morning during pre-service, just practice and prayer, um, I just kept feeling like the Lord was showing me a picture. I didn't know when to share it, and I'm glad I waited because I just feel like I wanted to jump out of my seat the whole time (laughs) because it just felt like everything was lining up and everything was making sense. And so I'll try to keep it short, but it started in the middle of this week when I was extremely gripped by fear. Sorry, this is kind of feeding back a little bit. But I was extremely gripped by fear, like overwhelmed. And I, I don't get fearful and afraid. Like, I know who my dad is. I'm like, I'm good, you know. And, and with everything going on right now, I don't know what it was. It came literally, well, it came from seeing this video that meant well. It was a prophetic man, someone that was sharing something. And it came from me becoming afraid of things that he was seeing to come to pass. And I remember thinking like, Lord, you know, I don't want to accept that. I don't want to agree with that. But also, I don't want to, like, turn a blind eye to the things that you're doing and what it, where we will end up even, where the, where the world will end up. The, you know, the Bible towards the end gets pretty crazy, right? But it, I remember just being overcome by fear and over, and I just kept, it was so gross. And I saw Nate here at, at practice Thursday night, and I was like, I'm afraid, <laughs> like really afraid. And I've never felt this way. And I, I left church that night, and I was driving, and I was just over, I was so gripped. So it's crazy because the picture that you even shared of, someone being almost short of, short of breath, like I wasn't physically experiencing that, but I felt like I was being choked out, like by fear. And I was just like, I don't accept this. And I was on the phone with my mom and she was like, you know, um, we don't come into agreement with that, praying for me. And, and I just kind of was like, yes, Lord, amen. And kind of just, that was it. And um, over the next few days, I just was realizing this thing that I was battling and coming head to head with was, was this fear of the unknown and fear of not knowing where we were heading as a church and as believers, and, and a fear of not even being able to see past this weekend, you know, just different things of like, what is, the, what is, what is happening? And just, I was so frustrated, and then I remember feeling so, like, you know, when you don't know what to pray, and the Holy Spirit is just praise right through you, right, with groanings and utterings, and I literally felt this feeling of like, Lord, I relinquish my right and the need to know, because I don't need to know, because I won't always have the understanding, but 
I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to put all of my faith in you and, 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 and lean into you, right? What is it talk, the scripture that talks about? Um, leaning not on our own understanding, and I kept feeling that over and over, and I was like, I don't need to know. I don't need to know at this point. I'm just going to trust, and I'm just going to abide in that, in the love and in the security that you bring, right? So that started happening, and I started just stepping into this reality, and I'm like, okay, Lord, okay. So then I get here this morning, and we're praying, and I'm just like, Lord, like just so, I love this family so much. And I was just so overwhelmed by just their heart and their honor for just the, the regulations that are being put in place and all the things. And I was just like thanking God for them. And I saw this picture of people, crazy. I saw this picture of people doing this over and over and over, the sign of noise that you just did. And they were doing this and they kept looking down like at their hands and everywhere. And I kept feeling it representing the church of like, Everyone's kind of just figuring it out. Like it almost feels like we're all winging it, right? Like everyone's doing the best that they can. And it felt like we were all doing this and God was just like, just look up. Like just look at me. And if they would turn their eyes to me, like they would they would have like eyes to see and ears to hear and everything will fall into line. If this lines up, everything else will line up. And then Rachel at the end of practice was like, we're gonna go in to turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I was like, yes, God, like, wow, you're so good and kind, right? And I'm freaking out thinking like, wow. And then Nate's like, I'm actually gonna teach the whole song. And I'm like, what is happening? And so it's, it's so beautiful that like before he goes before us, like he was in this moment already. Like he was here and he knew that we were gonna teach on this and we were going to be um, encouraged and convicted to turning our eyes to loving him and to looking at him. So we therefore have the answers and know how to be the ambassadors of everything that he just said, like exclamation point. And so I'm so encouraged. Like I'm so stirred that he just wants us to look at him. Like he just wants us to turn our face to him and to see him and to know him in fullness of glory and to not be stricken by fear. And I felt when Pastor Glenn literally said, I feel like I have this word of like um, coming against that anxiety, like I kept feeling like he was saying, I'm coming against confusion. I'm coming, like all of these things this morning. And so we agree with that, Lord. We say yes, Father, to you coming in and lining it all up and making it all right in its place, Father, even today, even now. And Lord, we fix our eyes on you. We turn our eyes to you this morning. We look at you. We look above. We, we have our eyes up and not on the noise, not doing this thing. We're not, we're not worried about the next thing. We're not worried about tomorrow, Lord, because you are a God that sees us through these things, that you are a God above and beyond time, that you are there already, so we don't have to worry. Everything makes sense and everything connects in the kingdom. It's so beautiful. And so I'm gonna stop preaching at you, but Lord, yes, we agree. In Jesus' name, I'm like, You should have just preached. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Let's uh, let's sing this together. You can sing it or you can just let the, the band prophesy um, its truth over you. We're just going to take a few minutes here. Cool. 
His glory.